This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, December 27, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Republicans have shown themselves to be broadly out of step with the electorate on a number of issues. One of those is immigration. Cato Institute policy analyst Alex Narasta evaluates the prospects for immigration reform as the GOP tries to regroup. Since the election, uh, Mitt Romney's campaign manager has said that he regrets the immigration stance taken by the Romney campaign. Uh, George W. Bush has reemerged as a person who talks about issues in public, and in this particular case, about immigration. The George W. Bush Institute has been uh, pushing for immigration reform, and I think that's one of those issues that he actually genuinely does care about. He speaks intelligently about and passionately, for that matter. And Republicans, more broadly, have begun to reevaluate how they feel about immigration. Rand Paul and others have have suggested that uh, maybe the Republicans need to take a uh, hard right or left, depending on how you look at it, on immigration. Yeah, so taking a look at the election outcomes, for one thing, uh, the Republicans got shellacked by the uh, Latino and Asian vote in the United States. I mean, exit polling shows that they got somewhere around uh, 25 to 27 percent of the Hispanic vote and uh, even less of the Asian vote. Um, So it's not, if they got, say, the numbers that George W. Bush got of the Hispanic vote, about 40 to 44%, then it probably would not have changed the outcome of the election, but a few states might have changed. So uh, Nevada would have been razor thin. It would have been right on the edge, a few votes going either way. Colorado would have been very close, probably still would have gone for Obama. Um, Florida definitely would have gone for Romney if the Hispanics turn out in the same proportion. And uh, it's likely that uh, North Carolina and Virginia would have gone to Romney as well, or it would have been much, much closer uh, election across the board. What's interesting is if California Hispanics voted about 40% for the Republican, uh, would have put that state into play, which is not something you're used to hearing that California is in play politically for a presidential election. But going to George W. Bush... A man who I think understands, you know, the last Republican for one to win a national election, a man who deeply understands the Hispanic community in this country, you know, a Texan, somebody uh, from a state where Hispanics have been involved in politics since the 1800s, uh, a state that is culturally uh, much more attuned to, I think, uh, Mexico than to the Northeast United States and always has been, you know, he understands this issue. He understands the importance of not alienating a vast and growing demographic in the United States. I'll just give you a personal story. When I first did the year 2000, when I was living in California, George W. Bush came through my hometown on the back of a train uh, to speak to different crowds, sort of this old-timey way of campaigning. And he spoke one speech in English to the crowd, and the next speech he spoke in Spanish. And the man is fluent in Spanish. Uh, And this just isn't George W. Bush. His father was also good on immigration. His brother Jeb Bush... Former governor of Florida is good on immigration. He's coming out with Jeb Bush is coming out with a book in the near future, uh, co-written with Clint Bollock of the Goldwater Institute about why the United States needs a better, more open immigration policy. Jeb Bush's son George P. Bush gets it about immigration, who he himself is a uh, half uh, half Mexican descent as well. So that whole family, I think, since they've been involved in politics, has been much better on immigration than the rest of the Republican Party. And it, quite frankly, has to do with their upbringing in um, Texas and the fact that they understand how important the Hispanic demographic is for the future of the Republican Party and how they could be naturally Republican. So what do we see uh, coming out of the Republican Party in terms of actual policy proposals? Uh, Jeff Flake famously has his 
proposal to essentially staple a green card to the college degrees of, of young people who come to the United States to study. What else might uh, Republicans be offering down the road? Well, uh, Rubio is offering a version of the DREAM Act that is less uh, less expansive than the Democratic version, but still offers a path to legalization for a large number of unauthorized immigrants. Uh, Kay Bailey Hutchinson and John Kyle, uh, senators are both leaving, but they propose similar versions of the DREAM Act. Uh, Rand Paul has proposed or at least talked about uh, a law that would uh, have some sort of legalization for the immigrants here in exchange for a moratorium on future lawful migration, something that I don't think is a very good deal. You also have a lot of Republican congresspeople uh, talking to Democrats across the aisle about uh, immigration reform going forward. So you have Paul Ryan, the former vice presidential candidate, talking to Luis Gutierrez, who is a, a Democrat from Chicago, congressman, who's been at the forefront of arguing for immigration reform for about a decade now. So you see a lot of people reaching across the aisle and at least open to the ideas of uh, immigration reform. Now, what stymied George W. Bush in his efforts to get some real immigration reform, of course, he worked closely with Vicente Fox to try to uh, develop a, a program. What stymied him was, I think, to some extent, Democrats who wanted to hang on to that issue and uh, they were spurred on by Republicans who wanted to stop the president from uh, having a more liberal immigration policy, a small but vocal minority. Absolutely. And one of the things that really killed the the process uh, was the fact that Republicans who want reform want a large guest worker visa going forward. So that we can provide a legal avenue for people to enter the country uh, as workers. But the Democrats... Um, Senator Dorgan, with his amendment, uh, killed reform efforts by introducing a uh, program that would basically drastically limit the guest worker provision, sort of egged on by unions, because unions are not very supportive of any kind of guest worker program going forward. They like legalization of people here, but they don't like a guest worker visa. And the Democrats need to get over their hang-up, their pro-union hang-up of uh, opposing guest worker visa programs so that we can actually solve this problem going forward. Because if we don't have a legal way for people to enter the country in the future, this problem is going to perpetuate itself and we'll be in the same situation in a few years. Now, Democrats are, as you say, uh, very focused on citizenship as an element of immigration reform. Why is that? Well, I think the main reason why why Democrats want uh, all the unauthorized immigrants here to be citizens is that they probably want them to become future voters. They see them as a likely Democratic constituency going forward, and they favor that. I think there's also an ideological bent. A lot of Democrats think that if they're allowed to live here legally but aren't citizens under some sort of second class, we've created a, an underclass of people who will never fully uh, assimilate or become Americans. I think that's sort of a silly concern because you have lots of people who are immigrants here in the U.S. who choose never to become citizens, and they don't face any kind of uh, other discriminations. I mean, they, they can't vote in elections and a few other things, but they can live here, they can work here, they can get driver's license, they can fully participate in the economic life of the United States, which is, after all, the reason why the vast majority of immigrants come here. They don't come here so that they can vote in American elections. They come here so that they can live a free life and a prosperous life for them and their families. Now, uh, Tim Kaine recently said, oh, he's, he's looking at uh, immigration reform efforts and he is uh, hopeful. But one of the things that he's talking about is requiring people to pay a fine for being in this country without documentation in exchange for some sort of permanent legal status. What do you think of that idea? Well, I think uh, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if we're going to try to bring people out of the black markets and into the legal market, um, there needs to be some sort of recognition that, yes, 
the law is unjust, but and we need to change that law. But to bring people out of the shadows, I think paying a fee is a fully appropriate way of doing it as long as it's a reasonable one and it's low enough that uh, most unauthorized immigrants can actually pay it and over a reasonable amount of time. I mean, as long as people are able to get out of the black market and into the legal market, I think uh, any types of fees or other kinds of uh, small and reasonable restrictions are perfectly fine. And this is not an academic exercise talking about bringing people into the United States to work. Various industries demand workers. And when our economy is doing well, immigration flows go way up. When our economy does poorly, immigration flows go way down uh, because there's it's sort of as our former colleague Dan Griswold would say, a pressure valve on uh, it, the sort of the stringent parts of the U.S. labor market. Yeah. And you see this most clearly in agriculture. So by some estimates, uh, 50 to 75 percent of all agricultural workers are unauthorized immigrants. And uh, you see it most extremely in the Northwest right now. So the apple harvest in the Northwest in states like Washington is 50 percent greater than it was at the same time last year. And apple farmers have increased the wages by up to uh, up to about $28 an hour. Uh, up from about uh, 20 to $22 an hour at the same time last year. And they still can't get the amount of workers that they need to harvest their apples. Now, if they raise their wages anymore, then it doesn't make sense for them to pick any more apples. So the food is just going to rot on the trees. Um, so, of course, they try to turn to legal programs like the H-2A visa, but the H-2A visa is so cumbersome and so restrictive and so regulated that only 2% of farm workers are on it, even though if the visa was fully accessible, a lot more farmers would be able to hire the workers they require to profitably pick the fruit on their trees. I mean, this goes back to Ronald Reagan in the 1970s. He said that if there are rules or regulations that prevent the harvest of food and leave it to rot on trees or in the field, that that is a travesty in this hungry world, and those rules and regulations need to be changed so that we can uh, harvest food so that American farmers can have access to labor that they demand in order to profitably grow food. And there's no reason why the government should get in the way of that. Alex Narasta is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work on immigration at our website, cato.org.